In the name of one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Hear, read, mark, learn, inwardly digest. These five outstanding verbs, strengthening as they follow one another in potency and providing a visual for engaging. They come all together in one of the most well-known collects or prayers in the entirety of the Book of Common Prayer. It is the prayer for this Sunday, and it was for a very long time the collect or the prayer for the second Sunday in Advent. And here's the whole thing. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. This is surely one of the best and most biblically rooted prayers about reading the Bible ever. And I haven't researched all of the reasoning for having the colic moved from Advent to the end of ordinary time, though I do find wisdom in the connection to the conversations about stewardship that always seem to take place during this time of year. For stewardship is about story, and story is about community. And the story of our siblings in the New Testament and the Hebrew Covenant, it tells us all we need to know about what it means to be a good steward and what it means to be in community. For it is the greatest story ever told. And like stewardship, it's a story without a season. For it is a story that is eternal. And we start off with hearing. When it comes to how we receive our scripture, this colic starts where most people at the time of its composition, the 16th century, where they would start by hearing. Hearing the scripture read, and of course, long before that, as the scripture stories were shared as an oral tradition by our Hebrew covenant siblings. In the 16th century, people weren't, for the most part, literate, and though the reformers had made certain that there was a Bible in a language understood by the people, and that was set in every church, most people had to hear the word. They had to hear it read aloud by someone else. And the King James Version was made to be read aloud with phrasing that would stand the test of being read aloud. You know, that's one of the reasons that we still read scripture in church every time we gather. And I can remember from my first days in the Episcopal Church as a young adult, hearing the words read, hearing the words proclaimed, and in particular, I remember hearing 
the first time I attended an Episcopal church, all things come of thee, O Lord, and of thy own have we given thee. And then we go from hearing to reading, and, 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 and we, we hear the collect, and then we read the collect, and we encourage you to do the same thing. Go home, take your order of service, look up the citations, get on your Googletron, and look up the words of Scripture that you've heard today. Look up the words of the collect and read them. Read them as a practice of your prayer life. Read them on your own. Read them with family and friends and start to mull over what these things are saying. Imagine yourselves in the stories and note the depth of which you are beloved. Note how greatly God cherishes each of us in the words. While for most of us, illiteracy is not an issue, I think for most of us, biblical illiteracy is still an issue. And it makes it difficult for us to enter conversations with people who have heard and read the scripture differently than us. The first translation of the Bible was in English, and it was the single most important marker of growing literacy in the English-speaking world. And the Bible translation remains today as one of the great drivers of literacy and education with all the good that follows that. Reading about the Bible is important. Reading the Bible is important. Reading the stories of the people of the Bible and the people who read the stories is important. About a month ago, I was in the sacristy, and I was looking through the cupboards, and up on the top shelf, almost out of reach for me, there was a chalice in a little bag with a little note. And little note said this, please do not put this chalice on the top shelf. <laughs> for if you do, Betty Jo and I can't reach it, and we'll need it for services. Thank you, Dolly. Those two folks gave of their time as stewards of this community for a very, very long time. The next thing in this collect is marking. What does it mean to mark? We cannot rest just with reading. We cannot rest just with learning. We have to look at what it means to mark, to mark the scripture. And what it means simply is to pay attention. It means to make a mark, not only in the outward sense of marking up or underlining Bibles, and that's okay to do, right? It's okay to take a pen and mark up your Bible, to mark the annotations of the passages, those things that are your favorite places. It also means to let the Scripture inwardly mark us, to let the Scripture itself become the underscore of our lives, those favorite passages of time which are marked out by how God connects with us to make our life particular, our life in community, and our life with God. And we all know those passages. 
We all know those ones that tell a story, and we all know those storytellers who we find in those passages. When I was a newly ordained priest, I was a rector in a church in Pennsylvania, and I had a verger who was 87 years old. Now, if you think our vergers sometimes move slowly, get behind Francis Zagar. He is a slow-moving man. About six foot two, you'd think he was like a string bean, but he was like an oak. And the first time I had an outdoor funeral, it was cold and it was snowing. And he said to me, Rector, because he only called me Rector, Rector, would you like me to go to the cemetery with you? And I say, no, no, Francis, I'll be fine. He says, Rector, I'd like to do it. So in the car with me to the cemetery goes Francis. The funeral's over, the casket's in the hole, I lean forward to look in and my foot slips. And about that time, at the back of my caponegra or my cape, and I feel this tug. And Francis Zagar says, you'll not want to get so close to the hole, rector. And Francis gave of his talent the rest of his life, dying at the age of 97, still a verger. We know people like that. We know people who have given their lives to our community, to faith communities, to their neighborhoods, because that's a life of stewardship. And then learning, marking, being marked in turn, of course, that's the beginning of learning. But then learning becomes rote. Learning becomes something that we take into our heart, something that is imprinted upon us in a pathway, a pathway from mind to heart to the world. And I'll never forget when I was newly ordained, I was called to the deathbed of a very old woman. And she was in one of those skilled nursing facilities, and she was suffering from dementia. And the nurse told me that she couldn't speak any words together and just to maybe sit with her. I didn't know what to do, so of course I pulled out my prayer book because that's what I do. And I decided we would pray evening prayer. And I was by myself in my voice until we got to the Lord's Prayer. And then I heard what was at first a faint voice, but then it grew stronger. And it was Mrs. Hoover joining in what started as a labored breath, but as it continued, I had this strong sense that the person that was speaking these words was not this woman of so many years, but the little girl who had learned those words so many years before. And we made it to the end of the Lord's Prayer, and we made it into the Song of Simeon. And as we said together the words, a light to enlighten the nation and the glory of your people Israel, she took her last breath. That is someone who body, mind, and spirit was a steward of God's grace and God's love. And the final thing, inwardly digesting. There is more than hearing and reading and marking and learning. 
Because this prayer says something about inwardly digesting the scripture. And I find that to be the most compelling part. To take it in and to savor it and to chew on it and to help it to be a part of our very being. Because we are to live on scripture. Our stewardship comes not from the seasons of the church. Our stewardship comes from the eternity of the word of God as we find in scripture. And we are to live on and on, sustained by scripture, just as we've lived on bread. To take it in daily until it transforms us, body, mind, and spirit. Because stewardship doesn't have a season as the Bible does not have a season. The stewardship season is life eternal, and that begins with our story, who we are, whose we are, and how we find our connection to the greatest story ever told in the holy scriptures of God's people. We're the stewards of those stories. We're the ones who pass them along. We're the ones who connect them to what's going on day to day. We're the stewards of each other's stories. The stories we hear here in the pews of the people we see week in and week out. Stewardship's not about funding a budget. It isn't a fundraiser. It's not about paying the bills. It's not about trying to figure out if we have salary increases that address the cost of living. It isn't about living on the fringe of community and turning in a pledge card. It is important that we talk about stewardship, and it is important that we gather in together. When we gather next week to give thanks for what God has given us in our blessings, that is important that we are here. Stewardship is about hearing and reading and marking and learning and inwardly digesting not only the scripture, but also the story of your siblings, each and every one of us with whom we share the space. Because learning to be stewards begins here, together, together. We are stewards of this cathedral community just as we are stewards of our neighborhood, just as we were stewards of the word of God, and not just for today, but for the days that have gone and the days that will be. Stewardship is life's challenge. It's a challenge to embrace our belovedness for eternity. It's a challenge to try every day to see that all things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee, to recognize that it is God first who creates us, and then everything else follows after that. Stewardship is everything that comes after we believe. It's a living out of the mission of God. It's a living out of the vision of reconciling all people to the living God. It's who we are. It's whose we are, and it's what we believe as the God is calling us to today and to tomorrow and to every season. And so it is. Amen.